in a former life, I was a professional soccer player playing for the Seattle Sounders. And as my, that career was winding down, I was looking for the opportunity to start to pivot and move into something else. But I also, I also was interested in maybe continuing uh, in a coaching capacity. So mm. I San Diego state coaching um, at the same time, I signed an EMT class that was going to start the same time that we arrived here in San Diego. And I was going to just make the choice between either continuing in the coaching realm or really pivoting and going down that route. And as soon as I took the EMT class, I thought, no, you know what, this, this is for me. This is the route. Wow. I'm go. And yeah. Just took off from there. And uh, that would have been 2004. You're listening to the grounded investor show where we talk about all things, real estate investing in Idaho, hearing from men and women on the ground who are doing the work. And welcome to the grounded investor show. With your co-hosts, Michael Porsche and Corey McCain. Hey, hey. How you doing, Corey? Doing awesome. It's been busy out here like no one's business. And I That's know what I'm talking been. about. So yeah. Been good. Yeah, we out here, we out here doing deals, yo. Because we those investor realtors doing our things. That's what we do. That's how we do it. We get you good deals. We do good deals ourselves. And speaking of which, if you guys haven't um, noticed, we're, we're a little new at this. Um, so if you could help a brother out, help two brothers out, this, this chocolate-covered brother and my red brother over there, um, <laughs> we would love it and appreciate it. <laughs> you give us some stars over on Apple iTunes. Maybe write a little review. Be like, yo, these guys are great. The Grounded Investor Podcast. Look it up. We'll pop up. We'll be there. It'll be a little house with a little plant inside and some roots coming out of it because we grounded. We grounded. Yeah, and the reason for that is because we interview awesome people like Kyle, who we interview today, who Mm. has tons of real estate and life wisdom to share, and we want more people to hear that kind of stuff. Exactly. Do you hear that segue? That's that. That was that was smooth. Yeah. So Kyle, which is, this is an exciting interview for me. The reason being is because he was an old mentor of mine, <clears throat> working for the San Diego City Fire Department. He's now a captain. He's a training captain, and he pretty much trains recruits on um, during or for his time, his work, and uh, upbringing the new generation of of firefighters, teaching them how to be firefighters. And so like he did with me as well, at the time when I got hired, he was a firefighter as well. And he was kind of training us and giving us all that equipment and, you know, teaching me how to be a fireman still at a, at a firefighter level. Um, but now he's a captain and he's doing awesome stuff and tells you a little bit about, talks a lot about, you know, how maybe a lot, but towards the end talks about how you really have to know your enemy and the enemy being yourself and how to remove that resistance or just knowing that 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 is resistance and moving past it um in order to help you in your investing career and it's great this guy's awesome he talks about how he did his first live and flip and now he's on his way with 15 doors um cash flowing so yeah and i think it's a a great testimony just to he definitely understands that real estate's not a it's a get rich slow scheme <laughs> so you know, exactly. he talks about getting started, you know, 18 years ago or something like that. And 
and just slowly building his portfolio to where he is today and uh, him doing it for his family and and making a difference, you know, in the future um, and not necessarily looking to get rich right now. So exactly. Exactly. I think you guys will really enjoy this one and enjoy the interview. Awesome. Welcome to the podcast, Kyle. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. 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 So um, this is a special one for me, especially. Corey, you can say hello too. Hey, Kyle. (laughs) Um, Before I get all crazy, but this is a special one for me because this is a captain, fire captain, whom I used to work with back in San Diego Fire Department. Um, And it's I love it because we used to talk real estate a lot. He piqued my interest even more in the multifamily realm and um, just super stoked to have you on, Kyle, and to see somebody, um, you know, just from like-minded work doing the same kind of work. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, man. Um, I think for all of us in our our line of work and your former line of work, um, real estate is kind of a, it's like a, a natural progression. It's a natural investment path for us because we, we focus so much on um, just the basics of what exactly real estate is. And, and yeah. we're, we're kind of type A people, but we're also, you know, we have that can do attitude where we can get to the bottom of most problems. We've, we yep. call ourselves and, and a lot of people rely on us to be professional problem solvers. Yep. And with that, you can, you can figure out a solution to most problems related to real estate. So it's a, it's a natural, it's a natural investment vehicle for us. Absolutely. It's funny because it's that's what I refer back to whenever I think about the more problems I can solve, the more useful I am. And therefore, the more usually I get paid for a certain deal. I was just speaking to another individual who specializes in foreclosures and they wholesale deals from foreclosures as well as do some unique things with it. Um, And I use my fire experience as an example when talking to her about how I optimizing the same thing and you know, and kind of use that illustration because that's what's so familiar to me. Um, and when I compare to real estate. Yeah, no, it is. It's, uh, it's just one of those things. It's that we have that attitude that, you know, there, there's nobody else answering the alarm. It's, it's yep. up to us to figure out the solution to whatever problem it is that is in front of us, whether, you know, and we're talking about investing in real estate. If you're going to be the landlord, well, you better be prepared to answer the phone call mm. uh, or a leaky toilet at 2 a.m. If you're <clears> yep. be, uh, trying to, if you're underwriting a deal and you're trying to figure out how to make those numbers work, is there, a, is there an area that you can figure out that nobody else has really looked at? Yeah. You can leverage your own skills or you can leverage your own ability or your network or whatever to solve the problem that, that everybody else shied away from. Yep. That's exactly some issues that I'm working with right now with a seller that I've been talking to uh, since this morning, but I won't get into that. But yeah, I, I love it. Oh, I'm stoked. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's get in. Yeah, let's get right into it. So Kyle, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what your life looks like, and how you got to where you are today. Cool. Uh, so like you mentioned, my name is Kyle Smith. I'm a San Diego fire captain. Uh, I've been on the fire department here in San Diego for a little over 13 years. My main job is I'm in charge of training our recruits at the fire Academy. So, uh, for 16 weeks, I'm with our brand new, most, um, new firefighters trying to train them up, get them ready 
to go hit the ranks, go hit the streets and respond to 911 calls. Um, that's my day job. Um, but like everything else, you know, one thing just to find you. So first and foremost, uh, I'm a, a husband and I'm a father of two awesome children um, who are the reason why I get up and do the things that I do every day. Um, how did I get to where I am today? Uh, I think maybe the best way of putting that is uh, I'm probably considered a graduate of the School of Hard Knocks or, or have been in the graduate program of the School of Hard Knocks. Um, in terms of my investing career, I've, I've made so many just basic bonehead, uh, unforgivable mistakes that uh, I got to the point where I, I got sick of that and uh, just realized that um, my kids and my wife deserve better. And um, I'm going to do everything I can to just make sure that not only I don't make the same mistakes again, but then pass that along to our next generation of firefighters who are coming up thinking about investing in real estate or other investment vehicles that they're not making the same mistakes that I did. So, yeah. So how'd you get started? Like what, what was your first like deal moving into real estate? Well, for, probably similar to a lot of people. The first thing I ever purchased was a, a single family residence that I lived in. Um, hmm. You may call it like a live in flip, something like that, where, Again, just leveraging the skills that I had, I, I bought a property, not really knowing that much about the industry at all. Uh, and my wife and I just went about uh, fixing it up however we could. Yeah. Back in those days, this is 2001, um, there was no like YouTube University. So I literally bought that orange Home Depot book. <laughs> <laughs> you could flip to page 87 and it has some pictures on how to redo tile. And I thought, well, okay, this looks pretty straightforward. I'll go ahead and redo the tile in the bathroom. Uh, you know, you flip to page 128 and it's how to paint a wall. Wow. So it literally like that. And it was trial and error, um, doing the best we could with the, the limited resources that we had available to us and just yeah, building, building equity just through elbow grease or what you might refer to as just sweat equity. Um, really didn't know the first thing about anything and yeah. got lucky in that we sold it two years and three days after we bought it, thereby mm. avoiding capital gains. Yes. Um, pure dumb luck. Fast <laughs> forward day. Um, I, I just, I just grind on it. I just spend a lot of time thinking about it or researching it or yeah. trying to, if, if I have nothing in the pipeline, I'm, <clears throat> I'm underwriting deals. I'm trying if to- If I could backtrack with you just for a second, um, for those of us who don't know, what is what is capital gains and what is the time limit of when you can, um, say, take advantage of that? Okay, so um, yeah, capital gains tax is, uh, it's a huge tax burden that you have to incur if, I, I believe it's if you haven't lived in the property for any of the two of the last five years, and so when I said we just got lucky, we literally just got lucky. We had yeah. no concept of anything about that. It was life circumstances that, that we were moving out of that house and moving actually down here to San Diego um, two years and a couple of days past that mark. And so um, with that, we avoided that huge capital gains uh, burden. So um, we, we put that one up in the wind column against 
I don't know, 50 or 60 in the loss column and, uh, you know, try to you know, do better each time. So that was, was a, that, that first, was, was that first house kind of a fixer upper? Like your plan was to buy it and kind of fix it up. Yeah, no, exactly. So, um, again, in those days, there was no such thing as in, you know, just for layman, a, a value add opportunity. Mm. We didn't go into the property having that vernacular. It was just, yeah. hey, this house is old, it's dated. We want to put our touch on it. Um, we want to do things to fix it up, to make it just freshen it up and make it look nicer. Yeah. Um, we added a deck, we redid the bathrooms, we redid the kitchen ourselves um, because it just needed it, right? It just, mm. it wasn't to our, our style, it didn't suit our style really. So we just, we um, went to work on just fix, just sprucing it up. And um, yeah, it, that was a way of adding value. But again, in those days, that wasn't a term that I was even really familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you still okay. have your book you know what i probably do Corey. i probably have it on the shelf somewhere just in case if you know if the internet goes out or something and, and yeah. youtube fools me I, I could still probably flip to page 87 and figure out how to put some title on the wall. yeah that's what i'm talking about old school i'm gonna say man i never even heard of that like that must be yeah, <laughs> i was like I'm way back. that's how old it is <laughs> Oh man, I love it though. Okay, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> okay, so then why did you move down to San Diego? Just real quick and yeah. So uh as life changes, I I was living in Seattle with my wife. We just got married. I was a in a former life, I was a professional soccer player playing for the Seattle Sounders. And as my that career was winding down, I was looking for the opportunity to start to pivot and move into something else. But I also I also was interested in maybe continuing uh, in a coaching capacity. So mm. I San Diego State coaching. Um, at the same time, I signed an EMT class that was going to start the same time that we arrived here in San Diego. And I was going to just make the choice between either continuing in the coaching realm or really pivoting and going down that route. And as soon as I took the EMT class, I thought, no, you know what? This, this is for me. This is the route wow. I'm going to go. And yeah just took off from there in uh, that would have been 2004 and um, 2006 got hired with the fire department. Wow. I was going to say, I never knew you did professional soccer. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a lifetime ago, man. <laughs> I bet. The, the only time I, the only time I remember it is like when I get out of bed and my knees ache or, you know, like my, my ankles hurt. That's when I think about it. Oh man. <laughs> and I'm sure firefighting, you know, doesn't help too much with the weight, the stairs going down, going up. No, carrying the load is definitely, definitely, um, it's legit. But I'm so fortunate, man, to have had a, a great prior career that I loved. Yeah, where I was able to be active, stay fit, doing a job that I truly, and then transitioning into this one, which again is all about teamwork, yeah. all about commitment, working with your, your, uh, sisters and brothers in an active lifestyle in mm. a career that I also love. I just feel so fortunate to, to have had both of these careers. Yeah. That's great. Mm. Cool. Well, Kyle, we got your first, uh, deal down with that live and flip. Got lucky two years and three days. <laughs> we should, we should call up your agent and ask him why he didn't tell you that. No but, kidding. Well, the reason why Corey was because he was a teammate of mine on the team. 
Oh, and we didn't know the first thing about anything either. So, oh, okay. <laughs> fair enough. So, what's your investment, uh, either portfolio or what vehicle do you currently use to to invest in? Are you single family, multifamily? What are you currently doing? Yeah, uh, for me, I, I started like I said in single family. It was just it was just a kind of an easy route into the real estate market. I needed a place to live and I thought, well, why not pay my own mortgage than somebody else's if I can get into it for roughly the same amount. What I found quickly after that, um, moved down here, bought another single family. And then it, with, for me, single family is a lot harder to scale. And so um, where, where multifamily is, I think is a better route to go, at least for me is um, you have the economies of scale and you have the hedge against vacancy that you don't have in single family. And basically what I mean by that is um, in single family, I have a tenant move out. Now I have turnover costs and vacancy. Those are two of the biggest um, killers of your bottom line when you're, when you're investing in real estate. Uh, turnover costs is, you know, you gotta go in there and you gotta repaint the, you gotta pull out the Home Depot book you have flipped to page 87 and maybe you got to repaint. Um, maybe they've done significant damage above just normal wear and tear. Now you're going to really have to spend a lot of money fixing the place back up, getting it rent ready again. Yeah. On top of that, you don't have anybody in there paying your rent, helping you um, pay down some of those expenses. So yep. the turnover costs and vacancy in single family is brutal. Where you, where you can do a little bit better in multifamily is you have multiple tenants helping you pay those those costs each month. So if you have one person move out in a multifamily, let's say a fourplex, well, you have 25% vacancy. Nobody likes that, but at least it's not 100% vacancy like you yep. would have yeah. in the family. So um, I, I pivoted away from single family more into multifamily for some of those reasons. Um, a quick story on uh, my first multifamily one of my first partners on the fire department, uh, this was back in 2009. The market was horrible here. It was horrible nationwide because of the, the, uh, how the economy was doing. And we kind of scraped some money together and we went in on this little X, uh, in town here. Um, again, really not knowing that much about it other than, um, some of the things that the senior members of the fire department talked about how real estate could be such a powerful investment vehicle if you um, secure long-term security uh, in your retirement. Yeah. So we went in together uh, a little um, partnership agreement to buy this little duplex and it's just been fantastic. And um, we still own it to get today together and have since scaled up into a small apartment complex in Indianapolis. So um that that's kind of where I where I fit in terms of my real estate portfolio. Um, I do a little bit of stock market investing, and that's only because you, you know Warren Buffett has a great quote. He talks about diversif diversification is only for the ignorant. And what he means by that is if you you really know your industry, if you really know real estate, there's no reason to diversify into the stock market or other things. Because you're going to just be that much better than everybody else that's that you're investing against. Mm -hmm. But for me, I'm not a professional real estate investor. I'm not a professional stock picker. I, I don't know all the ins and outs of everything. So I have to. I feel like I have to diversify a little bit, just to hedge against things that I'm not as savvy on. 
that other people probably are. Sure. Yeah. And how many units is that Indianapolis building? That was just a sixplex. So um, when you and I'm sure your listeners will know when you get above four units, you get into commercial farming, which is a little bit of a different beast. It's not, it's nothing to to really worry about, but it's a little different once you get above that uh, number. Cool. And what are you looking to do in the future? Just continue with small multifamily? You looking to get into something bigger? Or? Yeah, no, exactly. And again, looking to get into something bigger, Corey, just to answer your question. Um, the, the deals that we're now looking at or underwriting are uh, 10 units or above um, for the reasons we talked about. We like the hedge against vacancy. We like the scalability. Let's say, let's say I find a, an apartment complex, for example, a 20-unit apartment complex. It, it has a lot of value-add opportunity. Part of that value add, let's say, is you have to go in there and replace every single dishwasher. Mm. Well, you can go and buy 20 dishwashers and, and find that you, you'll be able to get some discounts on that bulk pricing that you just yep. wouldn't find if you're trying to go out there and buy one. You're going to pay retail uh, yep. like anybody else. Yeah. That's nice. good. This is our time that we go underground. Time to get underground. So this is the part of our podcast where we ask um, if you have a specific or unique deal in mind. Uh, we want to know what it is. How'd you find it? How'd you fund it? How long did it take to accomplish? And what was the result? And we're talking numbers as well as physical result. Sure. Um, so we could talk about this sixplex in Indianapolis. Um, this was one that I just spent months researching the market. Um, I had the things that I've been reading about things that I've been hearing Indianapolis was a great market. Um, yeah. it's got some, it's got some cash flow. It's got some appreciation. So a nice balance in that way, but also a nice balance to my, my real estate portfolio in general as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, just months and months of research trying to make some connections out there. Um, just trying to build a team and, and finally found a property that the numbers look good. So, um, what, so why, what we, why Indianapolis, by the way? Yeah. It was just one that I kept hearing about coming up. Mm. Over and over. It's one yeah. that, um, other, other, uh, investors that I know that are in my network would talk about. And I thought, God, that, you know, Indianapolis, it was a, it was a place that I had been before. I had some familiarity with just the layout of the city itself. Yeah. And, um, when I started to do my started to go underground with my market research, everything seemed to really fit. And so yeah. I, I dug in and I, I, I just tried to grind and tried to find something that fit our, our investment profile. And yeah. I finally came across one that, that looked good. The numbers looked good. And so knew we knew it, we were getting to a point here in San Diego where we had so much equity in the duplex that I was talking about. Yeah. That I knew it was a, about time that we could harvest some of that equity and use that to go and purchase something else. Um, our investment philosophy is we don't like a lot of lazy equity. We don't like a lot of equity sitting in a property, not really doing anything. It's just, it's just on paper. It's not, it's not helping you that much. Yeah. Um, and, and on top of that, it could also, it's unlikely, but it could also um, be a bit of a target on your back if something happened and you got sued 
some some lawyer somewhere is going to look you up and find that hey this this person here has a hundred percent equity in this property over here well on top of his insurance policy let's go after the property so we don't like a lot of equity sitting in our properties that's good yeah so with that <clears throat> harvest some of that equity use that um to go out to a market that's not as expensive as it is here of course in san diego um and we're able to make the purchase that way we funded that deal uh, entirely in cash um and part of what that allowed us to do was to um sort of generate a little cash flow a little more cash flow up front than we would normally have done if we had taken out a mortgage yeah because we knew we needed we needed a little bit of cash flow to um we needed to fix it up a little bit and so sure. we took cash flow and used that to fix up the units to um, bring them up to the standard that that neighborhood demands and then we're able to then increase the rents get those up to market and the the exit strategy on this one is to then take out a mortgage on that place continue with the cash flow get that money back and then go and, and continue investing very nice so, so what, go for it I was just going to say one, uh, what year was this? And then like, what was the purchase price, rents, all that good stuff? Sure. Uh, so purchase price was four for a sixplex. And I know anyone listening to this in California is probably going to fall out of their seat. Uh, <laughs> number. Um, and then rents, um, we get five grand a month in rent. So we're, wow. we're doing pretty good. If, you, if you're using the 1% rule, it's better than 1%. So we're pretty happy with that. And we bought it last year. Um, oh, okay. Just finished. Well, any day now we'll have finished all the rehabs and gotten um, all the rents up to market rent. Um, nice. And we knew that going in. So we, we purchased it um, with a little bit of value into it, um, are able to now build that up. And our goal, our hope is that when we go to the bank to take out a mortgage, we'll be able to pull out all that equity. That's awesome. So how much were the rents were when you first got it and how much are you able to raise them to? So, um, on, there was only one unit when we bought it, it was, um, there was one and see, and right out of the gate, we knew we could get, um, that up to market rent that, that unit didn't need any, uh, remodeling, any rehab or anything. It was ready nice. to go. We were able to get, get it up to market rent right away. There were three others that not only were under market, but were also needing some rehab. Mm. And um, on the low end, it was at seven twenty-five a month, and then the 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 higher end, the high end, it was at eight fifty. And now okay. we've all we moved all those up to nine hundred. Get some. <laughs> but but part of part of the issue is you know it we're in a really delicate point in history, right? We're in a very uh, uncertain time. And we are sensitive to the fact that people are struggling. We are sensitive yeah. to the fact that um, this is unprecedented. And so, sure. but we knew our, our numbers were, were good. We knew there was still room for those rents to climb. And we yeah. knew that uh, we knew that the property was being mismanaged when we took it over. Mm. We, we had to fire the property manager and bring in a new group. Um, and so with that, we, we not only did we increase the rents and fix it up, we also improved the management. 
And so I think probably the combination of those three things is, is um, what's gotten it to, to operate as efficiently as it has. Yeah. So currently you don't have any mortgage. Um, but how much are you cash flowing with, you know, property management in mind, vacancies, repairs, how much, how much does that look like? Yeah. So, um, I don't, I actually don't have those numbers in front of me, but we we take everything into account. Um, we're, we're putting money aside for capital expenditures. We're putting money aside for maintenance and repairs. And we just do that as a percentage of the gross monthly rent. So for Mm. capital expenditures, talking about the roof gets a leak, the, the heater goes out, air yeah. conditioning goes out, you know, big expenses that, that you're not going to have to pay very frequently. Sure. So we set aside 10% of gross monthly rent, um, for maintenance and repairs set aside 5%. Um, we got, we did a, my partner did a job in finding, um, a fantastic insurance broker got us a great rate on insurance. So we did a good job of all that. Um, and, Initially, with the, the property management company who we inherited, they were charging us 7%, and we got 7% worth of property management. Mm. The company we're using now is charging us 10%, but the, the amount of stress that's now been relieved just in that 3% is worth it every single day of the week. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. In our underwriting, we accounted for all those things. Um, so we're, we're cash flowing, I'm going to say, 3500 bucks a month, something like that. Right. That's awesome. Nice. Awesome. And in the future, are you going to stick to Indianapolis or are you looking to expand to Possibly, possibly. Um, I, I, I do tend to diversify again because I'm, I'm not an expert in these things. I, I want a little bit of cash flow. I want a little bit of appreciation. Um, so I have property in Tucson. I have property here in San Diego and some in the Bay Area. Um, yeah the properties here in California, they're going to appreciate really well, but maybe you're going to suffer a little bit more on the cash flow side. Um, Tucson and uh, Indianapolis are a, sort of a mixture, a hybrid of both. So no, yeah. not necessarily Indianapolis, but I also, I don't, I don't have the bandwidth. I don't have the resources to invest in every market in the country that, that becomes hot. Yeah. Number one, it doesn't make sense from a, from just a, a an investment perspective but two i'm doing this for the passive income you know Mm. i'm doing this for my kids that are playing outside i don't want to be running a fire academy and doing this full time i want to be doing this so that eventually the income from my passive investments passive in air quotes uh replaces the the um income from my regular job if i get to that point then i then i'm financially free and and that's enough. That's more than enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. All right. So we are up for the core four. The core four. 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 Couple things that got you where you are and kind of keep you motivated. But do you have one thing that keeps you focused? Uh, one thing that's or one reason for your success. Uh, one book you're most influenced by and one piece of advice to maybe our listeners out there who are either looking to get investing or continue to build their portfolio. Yeah, I would say um, 
without question, the reason I do what I do, guys, is because of those kids out there playing in the street and my wife inside. Um, without without that, this none of this is really. It's none of this is really worth it, right? Yeah. Um, they are, you know, by far and away the most important thing to me, and um, trying to work hard to secure their future is is what motivates me, what keeps me going. To answer the second part of the question, um, like, how did I get here? Why did I get, I'm just, I'm, I'm like hyper competitive in an industry like the fire service that is all type A personalities. Um, I, I, I imagine I have to be at the top of that list of people. I just, I'm, I want to compete. I want to, um, continue to improve and, and I'm not competing against anybody else but myself. And so mm. if I can if I can graduate from the school of hard knocks and I can pick up a book from home Depot and figure out how to paint this wall here and put tile up over there, I, I can figure out how to get to the bottom of a lot of this stuff. And, and mm-hmm. what it takes is just a little bit of grind. Um, so I would say that's how I got here. That's not discounting all the support I've had up until this point. Um, but it is you, for me, I have to have a little bit of that, that drive, that grind. Um, and I, I think that probably ties into the, the next question about a book that's been really influential for me is it's called the war of art by uh, Stephen Pressfield. Yeah. This book is arguably one of the most important books I think that's ever been written. Um, when he talks about the resistance, the resistance is that little voice in your head that says, you know what? I'm not, I'm not smart enough to do this. Firefighters, they don't want to invest in real estate. They just, they, they punch a clock in 30 years, they get a retirement and, and they sail off. And that's great. That's the resistance. The resistance is, ah, I'm going to hit that snooze button one more time. Cause I'm really tired today. On the other hand, it, that's just the resistance. And so if you, if you are aware of it and you bring that to light and you can accomplish a lot of stuff and, and think, that, right. That's <laughs> right there. Michael. That's the feeling is it's just, resistance and when you can get over that stuff you can push through some really difficult times whether we're talking about uh, on a difficult call in the fire department or we're talking about figuring out this problem here uh in investing in real estate yeah that's just the resistance man you're good i'm so glad you had mentioned that that book too because it's um it's funny because i heard that book being referenced so many times and i'm like oh great i'll look it up and i i did downloaded it what I thought it was, but it was actually the art of war. And okay. so it's rather than the war of art, the art of war. But I think it's soon something. I don't know. It was a book written a long time ago. And I'm like, I don't know this being the author, but this is really good stuff. You know, because and why what I learned from that book was just like he had he was prepared for every single situation. He had written down something. When this happens, this is what you do. When this happens, this is what you do. So that taught me just to be prepared like have a plan, you know, for every situation, which is also very arguably the same for the fire service. We have a plan for every single situation that's already written down what we can lean off of or glean from. Um, but I just found out, huh? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And I, I just found out that that wasn't the book that I was hearing about. And I was like, what? And this was literally like a week ago. So I, I'm like, I look, it's like someone was talking about it. I'm like the war of art. It's not called the war of art. It's called the art of war. And then I looked it up. I'm like, oh, that was a different book. 
And like, this makes so much more sense. So I just downloaded it on my Audible account. And I'm like, all right, it is literally in my phone, ready to go. I am so I, definitely going to listen to it now. But <laughs> listen to it. It is fantastic. The the um, Art of War by Sun Tzu is also an amazing book. Uh, Great, thousands yeah. of years old. Uh, so many military leaders uh, uh, borrow from the message yep. from Sun Tzu. Also an amazing book. Uh, something he talks about in that book is uh, know your enemy. Yeah. And if you tie that together with the war of art, the mm. war, the, the enemy, knowing the enemy, the enemy is you, right? The enemy is oh. the, is, that's the piece, right? That's what we have to capture here is yep. the enemy is you. And if you can figure out how to get past that, you're going to just do great things. Yeah. Um, Come on. Just continuing along that theme with that little piece of advice to, to offer your, your audience here is man, I could give you, I could give you 50 books. I love reading. I read constantly. <laughs> yep. I, I set a, an explicit, I, I write out my goals at the beginning of the year. And one of them is to read 25 books each year. I could, I could read 50 books. And if I never do anything with that information, mm. then what is the point? Mm. And so the piece of advice is you got to go out there and take action, right? You have to go out yep. there and use the information you're hearing on this sort of podcast. Yep. Take that information and go out there and do something about it. Otherwise, yep. what's the point? Yep. 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 Oh my goodness. I have so much, so much love for that statement right there. I mean, I just think about so I'm a pretty scriptural guy. Um, you know, leaving God and everything. One of the things that I think is applicable everywhere in scripture is it talks about don't be a hearer of the word. Um, but be a doer. I'm simplifying it really quick, really short, because um, that verse is a little longer. But he kind of talks about what happens when you're just a hearer of the word, and you it's like you look into a mirror, and you look away, and you have to look back real quick to kind of understand who you are, but you're a double-sided man. You're not able to do the things of what you're, you're actually hearing to do, but as soon as you apply the word, is he's calling for more of us. The righteous man is someone who actually does, the, does what he hears. Um, and I think of that a lot when I hear about books and hopefully I'm not butchering that verse too much. But when I think about, um, reading books, like that's my one thing is I used to be like, Oh, I'm gonna read so many books and all this kind of stuff. And I'm gonna be a genius. Blah, blah. But then I, I shortened it down a little bit because it's like, well, if I'm not applying it, what's the point? And so I've got it to, for me, it's, you know, I'm not gonna be able to do everything in the book. I know that, but if I can apply one to two things per book that I read, then I consider that a win, you know, and I, and my thing now is when I read a book, I apply it immediately. Um, Cause that's the most fresh I'm ever going to be. Well, it's being that lifelong learner too, you know, yeah. knowing, knowing you don't know everything and you still have a lot to learn. Yep. Kind of drives you to continue reading, taking it in and, and like you said, putting it into action. So I like that. Yeah. For sure. So yeah. that was, I was just going to just sort of wrap up that point. Uh, it's Aristotle that says excellence is not a singular act, but a habit. You are what you repeatedly mm. do, right? It's, it's not, you have to develop these habits. You have to go out there and do the thing, whatever the thing is, you have to go out and do it. Yep. That's the point. Yep. Yeah. And that's great for even new investors, just getting off the sideline, like getting out there and doing it. Um, I mean, even something like what you're saying, getting out there and do a live and flip, you know, you know, do something and prove it and get into action. 
get Wait. your Home Depot book, flip pages, and <laughs> get your Home Depot book. Exactly. Do something. No, that that's the point, right? You're not going to hit a home run on your very first investment. You yeah. might you might hit get a base hit. You might um, whatever strike out, but at least you're up there taking swings, right? To reference yep. a bit. You guys are out there in Boise. You don't have baseball. We're here in San Diego. We got <laughs> so we got we got major league baseball here. Uh, <laughs> we have minor league, barely, barely major league baseball. But that's okay. No, but at least you're up there taking swings, right? Yeah. At least you're up there taking swings. You're taking action, and at a minimum, you can learn from those mistakes. So the next time you see that fat pitch coming down the middle of the plate, you make contact and you get a base hit. Yep. But at least you're up there taking swings. Yep. Yeah. And that's what's important is just getting out there and doing it because that's how you're going to learn. And that's, I mean, some people don't even see what it takes. Like they just kind of see the outside in terms of the excellence part, you know, like, Oh, I want to be that. So they kind of expect almost. And I, I know I did when I first started out too, is I expected a home run deal my first time. Um, and it's definitely not that kind of, it's not, it's not like that. Um, you definitely have to, <laughs> you know, scrape by and, and get bruised up a little bit and all that good stuff before you can actually make, just a little bit of advancement. It takes a while to work up, but it's kind of like, I don't know what I think about in terms of building that pipeline in our conversations, or you look at a fire hose and it takes, you got to build up the pressure within that fire hose in order for it to come out the pressure at the end, what you need to, but as soon as you stop, you know, you have to rebuild that pressure up. So it's that continuation of building that pressure and all that build up prior to that's going to get that result of flowing water well which is very real life when it comes to real estate absolutely absolutely you got to prime the pump right? you yep. got prime the pump to get that pressure going to get that momentum going right yep. you got to do you got to do something you got to take a step each day to get this thing going and exactly. it, you're going to meet resistance right you're going yep. to meet a lot of pushback it's going to be your friends saying hey you're not you don't know what you're doing you're going to screw this up it's going to be your parents or or whoever saying hey this isn't for you you, you know stay in your lane but you can use that. You can harness that resistance. You can harness that, that uh, back pressure on you. Exactly. To, to take off, right. Airplanes yep. take off into the wind, right? Airplanes take off into the wind. They yep. need that. They need that resistance to, to take off. Yep. That's true. That's true. I like that. So I know that was a lot of advice right there for, for listeners. And I hope they got that, but what would be what your one piece of advice? <laughs> The one, if we could, if we boiled it down to everything, if we boil yeah. it down, everything, it's take action. It's mm. taking, it's do something, do one thing today, do one thing today to help you, uh, to underwrite a deal, to look at the numbers, break down a, a real estate deal, do yeah. one thing that there's no, no harm, pull up Zillow, pull up Redfin, anything and look at a deal. One thing today, then do one thing tomorrow one yep. thing the next day and so on and so forth at the end of the year uh you're gonna be you're gonna be like amazed at who your former self was yep so that would that's what i would say just take the action do something every single day awesome that's awesome yeah great that's good um all right so how do people get a hold of you uh I'm on all the social media platforms. Maybe Michael, you can uh, link those in the show notes for San Diego Fire folks. Uh, yep. I have a Facebook page for us. The, that's the Firehouse. That's f.i.r.ehouse. Uh, we're on Instagram underscore Fire underscore House. We're on LinkedIn, the Firehouse Investors uh, podcast. We have a, a podcast for financial literacy for first responders called the Morning Meeting at the Firehouse. Um, so 
I'm, I'm available wherever, uh, wherever you get your social media. That's probably the best way to find me. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for being on the show. Enjoy Thanks, Kyle. You. Yeah. A little more familiarity from my roots. Yeah. That's it. My pleasure, guys. You're listening to the 